The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. This is what he proclaimed. One mightier than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It happened in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. On coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Today we come to the last day of the, of the Christmas season, this day uh, taking, the first, taking place of the first Sunday of Ordinary Time, but indeed the last day to be able to, uh, to confuse anyone and everyone you meet by wishing them a Merry Christmas. We celebrate today the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, the culmination of these revelations of the Christ child, the child who has indeed grown to become a man. The revelations that show us, who is this man? And we hear a bit about it today in the Gospel. But first the question, why was Christ baptized? Surely he was not in need of baptism. He himself was not tainted by sin, as all of us are, that indeed require baptism. He was already the Son of the Father. It's not as if something new happened at his baptism. That he was made the Son of the Father, as some heretics of the early church would profess. Indeed, he always was. The reason our blessed Lord underwent and received baptism under John, who indeed was the lesser man, is that he might change the water. The reality is that baptism, every one of us is changed. Something happens to us. Something happens to our soul. But in Christ, unlike us, it is not he who was changed, but rather the water. He, being immersed in the water of the Jordan by John, sanctified it, giving it that longed-for power to save us, making the water holy, which for years and years and years he himself had used to bring his people to salvation that ordinary gift of water because it becomes the means by which we are heir to incredible promises and recipients of God himself. Indeed, the baptism of the Lord does show us more about our blessed Lord with the revelation of the heavens breaking open and the voice of the Father speaking about him. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Also, Christ undergoes his baptism to the extent that, really, he leads us to baptism. On the Feast of the Ascension each year, Mother Church reminds us and places upon our lips the prayer that where the head has gone, the body is called to follow. 
In that sense, they're talking about the resurrection of the Lord, who in his body is ascending into heaven. And we, one day, we pray, will be also resurrected in the body and brought into heavenly glory. But it wasn't just to that mystery alone that that axiom applies. Christ, our head, has first received baptism so as to give us no excuse whatsoever to say that we should not receive it. Indeed, he would tell us that for us, it is necessary for our salvation. And so he goes first to prepare the way, to sanctify the waters, that as we would soon pass through that entry gate into the sacraments and into the life of God, we might be able to be joined to him, our head, in the doing. We know that baptism indeed was taking place before the life of our Lord. John himself is baptizing, and John was baptizing with water. But we recognize that John's baptism, even John himself points this out in, the day, in today's gospel, that his baptism was different, fundamentally different than the baptism of Christ. He says, I baptize with water. In so many words, what I do and what I offer is, is a sign. It's a simple reminder to us. It's a visible sign of something, of, of our desire to repent. But it doesn't affect a change in the individual. It's simply a desire, a pious wish, a resolution. But baptism in Christ is different. I baptize with water. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that comes to us and affects a change in us so that the baptism that we receive as Christians is not simply a, a nice visible sign, but it is something that affects change within us. It makes us different. Of its very essence, it changes our soul. Indeed, the baptism of Christ is profoundly different because of the presence of God, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. When we receive baptism, whether as infants or as adults, the simple fact is that something radical happens to us. And a number of things are come to bear upon the soul. We refer to them simply as the effects of baptism. There are a number of them that take place, even if we're not particularly mindful of them, especially in that of, of infants. Because an infant child seems relatively pure and holy to begin with. And, you know, they're not, uh, you know, they're often too, too terrible as, as infants. You know, they, they cry and they make a mess in their diapers and they do the kinds of things that children are supposed to do. But one would not attribute to that as being terribly sinful creatures. They're just doing what they're supposed to do. But the reality is, though, that in baptism, all of us experience radical change in our soul. Something different is there. First and foremost, it is a cleansing, a remission of all of our sins. First and foremost, original sin, but then all of our actual sins that we might have received or, 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 or committed during the course of our own earthly life. For children under the age of seven, when they are baptized, it's simply original sin that is washed away. But for someone who is seven years or older, uh, we know that we have culpability, we have, we, have a, we have reason, we have the ability to choose between good and evil, and very often we choose evil, and that's why we have, thanks be to God, the sacrament of confession, when we don't get it right. In baptism, all sin is remitted. 
This is one of the reasons that in the early church, sometimes there were, there were individuals who very frequently would wait until the end of their life to receive baptism so that they wouldn't have to go and, and make their confession during their earthly life. They could just live as they desired, and at the end, you don't have to confess it. You just get washed in the water and everything is clear. You don't have to manifest your soul to another person. Kind of cheating the system, but they were also gambling very often, you know, hoping that they would be able to get baptized before they died. And sometimes they didn't. Baptism frees us from all of our sins. And this is the first and most necessary piece. Because the reality is that in the sacramental life, in the, in the life of God, it is first that things have to be cleared away before something can come in its place. The rites of baptism actually speak of this. There is always, in, in both the old form and in the new form of baptism, there is an exorcism that takes place, a casting out, and then something comes in its place. So first, sin is cast out. And in its place, grace. Sanctifying grace. The grace that makes us saved. The grace that is the life of God in the soul that has the power not to condemn us, but to save us. To ransom us for heaven. Indeed, it is in so many ways the joining of us to the vine that is Christ. The one who, who speaks to us and says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you're not connected to me, you have no life in you. Baptism is the moment at which, for the first time, the soul is grafted onto the vine that is Christ. And the sap of the vine begins to course through our veins. Sanctifying grace. This comes because of another necessary effect alluded to by St. John, the presence of the Holy Spirit. That at baptism, a most mysterious thing happens a number of times over. But in this in particular, is that God the Holy Spirit makes his dwelling in us. That in some way that our minds simply can't comprehend, the Holy Spirit of God, God himself, dwells in your soul. It is his home, his proper place. God dwells within us so as to allow that life not to be just a, a momentary shot, uh, not shot in the arm, but a, a continuous nourishment, a continuous strengthening of the soul. A daily sustenance, a momentary sustenance in the Holy Spirit. We recognize also that these things so far have been kind of a, a, a clearing away and a preparing for uh, and an entry to, a filling in. But also there is a joining together that takes place in holy baptism. And both ends, both the vertical and the horizontal. In the horizontal end, we are made members of the body of Christ, the church. We are incorporated, right? Incorporated, corpus, body. We are made part of the body of the church. We become members, all of us necessary, all of us called to take part in the mission of Jesus Christ. So we become part of a community because we recognize the fact that baptism is not, is not a, a, a solo thing. Living the Christian life is not something that I can live with just me and Jesus. We are necessarily connected to one another, whether we like it or not. We are all tied together as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. We become members of the church, ordered to the good of Christ. 
In the vertical level, we are also connected in a profound way to God. In addition to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who comes to be with us, we are also made children of God the Father. This itself is absurdity and yet reality. The God who has so great, great, greatly loved us that he has made us his own children and as such heirs of heaven. He has called us to himself to be joined with his son. It's called divine adoption or divine filiation. We are made sons in the son of Jesus Christ. God looks upon us and no longer simply sees uh, an individual. He sees one that is like his son, that is identified in some way with his son. Which leads to the last of the effects, which is the indelible mark upon the soul. There are several sacraments, uh, that of baptism, that of confirmation, and that of ordination, that indelibly mark, that permanently mark the soul of the individual, so that always and for eternity, that soul will be marked and identified by the particular sacrament. In baptism, our soul is stamped with the image of Christ in so many ways. We are sealed in Christ. When God looks upon us, he sees another Christ. In confirmation, a similar thing happens, and also for the ordination of a priest. One is sealed, stamped, their soul eternally and irrevocably changed. One can never be unbaptized. One can simply stop practicing the living of their baptism. It can't be reversed no matter what. The saints have often reflected upon this reality that either in heaven or in hell, our mark will be manifest. Either in hell because of us, as we we marked us in in shame because we are Christians who are called to be like Christ but fell short. Or in heaven because we are Christians called to be like Christ and we lived it to his glory. Either place, the soul will still be manifest. We are one who has been consecrated to God in the image of Christ. These are the gifts that we receive in holy baptism. Very often, if we were baptized as children, we were entirely unaware of it. We may have simply made a little cry as the water was poured upon our head or our garments ruffled so as to anoint us with the oils. But as adults, we can certainly reflect upon these things. To grow and to contemplate these realities, indeed all of us, to think about the fact of the goodness of our baptism, the goodness of what we have received, the goodness of what God has done for us. And so I would invite you to three particular things, a bit of homework, if you will. First, I would ask you to offer the Our Father for the person who baptized you. You might know their name, you may not. But I would ask you to offer the Our Father for that individual And thanking God the Father for bringing that individual into your life to give you the gift of being a son or daughter of God our Father. Secondly, I would ask you to pray the Hail Mary for your parents and godparents who bestowed upon you the gift of new life by bringing you to be baptized. To pray for those offering a Hail Mary, your family, who have brought you to Mother Church. And lastly, To pray the glory be, 
to pray the glory be in praise of the Blessed Trinity, who out of his great love for you has consecrated you to himself, has drawn you to his own heart, who has given you a consecration that will never fade. And we pray that we might be indeed heritors of the gospel promises given to us eternal joy.